As we can see, the results of those surveys, as well as when we review our own experiences, relationships mean a lot Amen. in our life. As Mother pointed out at, uh, at the end, uh, in those results, nothing is ever mentioned about meetings. That it was because of conferences or messages that people decided to stay, or because meetings were boring, then they decided to leave. Those are not the main, main things. Of course, nobody wants boring meetings. We should be interesting, if at all possible. And we should present the truth. And, and there's another side. This is not the entire thing, of course. Um, this doesn't mean that we have any less burden for for example, the summer school of the truth. And uh, because uh, one of, one, an, another of the points that, was, that I didn't mention was uh, for those who continue meeting, uh, and especially even the ones who continued meeting, uh, there are in, you could some categories, categories among them. Because there are some who, they say they continued meeting in their 20s. Uh, however, they are, uh, they, they, you know, twice a year. There are some who are once a month. And then there are the committed ones who are, you know, going on. And it was found out that as that committed number was only 10%. 10% committed to really following the Lord and, and, and preaching the gospel and so on. And uh, what are the factors that drives them, that 10%? One of them is entering into a kind of connection or relationship with the word. That they, they love the word, not just the relationship with the Lord, but they developed a relationship with the Bible. And, and the truth meant something to them. And, and I think that is also the case in our experiences, that uh, the ones who are the most committed also, it's a matter of vision. Vision does come into play. So relationship is not everything. So um, I hope we would, we would Take this in a proper, in a, in, a, in a proper way. But relationships mean a lot. Right. And that's why it's important. Even if you're, if you remember the, the, what we had here, even if you're serving the high schoolers, even if you're serving the college students, even if you're not serving in any particular <coughs> official capacity, it means something to greet the children on the Lord's Day morning. When, when you see one running through, and instead of just saying, hey, stop! No running here! That, would be, that might be my initial reaction. Rather, hey, wait a minute, wait a minute. What's your name? You know, it's different. 
It's different than I say, hey, you. <laughs> or, or when I say, Tommy, they know. Oh, that's Mr. So-and-so. Relationships. Just knowing the children's names, it, it, means, it means something. You know, uh, especially when uh, I was serving in one certain hall for a number of years there in New York, we had the children's meeting. It was a, uh, uh, the meeting hall there is four floors. It's a very narrow building, but it has four floors. And the children are on floor three. Nursery is on floor four. So uh, at times, at times, uh, what I'd like to do actually after the breaking of the bread, but before the end of the Lord's table, meaning before the opening time ended, I like to take a little break, go upstairs, and observe. Just look at the children. Look at the children. See how the singing is. See how the opening is going. Actually, sometimes I just like to join in and start. And if they're, just, just join in. And some of them there, because I know them, they <laughs> it makes an impression to them. Yeah. Oh, Brother Ricky came to our opening time. Not, not because, dear Brother Ricky, that's not what I mean. Don't misunderstand. But, oh, he, you, I saw you. And then after the meeting, he say, I saw you in the opening. They go. <laughs> I even like to go to the nursery. Oh, wait, I don't know, I don't know this one. How come I know eight of the nine? Who's this one? Then I find out, oh, they're a new one, the child of a new one, and oh, that's a good, good way in. After the meeting, you meet someone. Oh, is your baby Jose the one upstairs? Uh, the, oh, the, the fact that you know the name of their baby, that means something to people. So, actually, saints, these seem like small things, but relationships. Yeah. Oh, that opens people's hearts. That opens people's hearts. Anyway, may, I think, I think uh, there's more of a sense of a church family when we have this kind of uh, a atmosphere. In this session, I would like to focus a little more on the matter of godly families. Godly families. Um, yeah. Thank you. I'd like to share some principles um, I do hope that as we go through uh, these principles, uh, all from the scripture, from different places in either Brother Nee's or Brother Lee's uh, ministry, and from our experiences, that, that we would receive these matters in a proper way. Um, you know, when, when 
the Lord Jesus was in the wilderness. And Satan came to tempt him. The Lord fought him with the scripture. Right? He spoke the word. Actually, he spoke Deuteronomy. Yeah. And, you know, this morning we read Deuteronomy 6. These are not the verses he spoke, but we're going to get into these verses in a few minutes. Um, after he spoke the word and he defeated the enemy, you know, the first one was make these stones bread. And, and the Lord answered, man shall not live on bread alone. Then, very interesting, then Satan used scripture to, to tempt the Lord. He used scripture. He quoted scripture. Can you believe Satan knows scripture? So he used scripture to, and then, and then the Lord just answered with scripture. My point in saying this is that Sometimes the enemy attacks with the word of God by a misapplication of the word of God. So we have to know the word in the proper way so that we would not be deceived by the enemy. But I think this principle also applies in receiving ministry. Because sometimes, has, has, has this never happened to you? I got condemned by ministry. Because I received, I heard a message and I thought, oh, that's it, I'm done. I can't, I can't, I can't do this. This is impossible. Or this is not for me. I have come to my, to my limit. And, and a sense of a sense of hopelessness. I leave a meeting with a sense of hopelessness. I don't, I don't know if this ever happened to you. But I, I remember, this would especially happen to me whenever the brothers would share about the gospel. Because I was a gospel chicken. Like, I, oh, the meetings, shepherding. I'm a, I'll shepherd. Go fisherman. Oh, I can't fish. I'd rather shepherd. And so they say, oh, okay, we're all going to do this, and maybe we're all going to go knock on doors, or we're all, and I'm like, oh, I, I just lose, I just lose heart, lose hope. So I can't do it. I'm too shy. I'm too this, and 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 I feel I, I I just I just can't do it. And I think sometimes we we hear things, and we don't respond or receive in a proper way. Then the enemy takes advantage. One example of properly receiving God's word is Mary in Luke. Okay, there is nothing more impossible than what God required of Mary. That is to have a child without knowing a man. And he came to her, the angel came and said, you will, you will give birth. And what did she say? She, she said, how will this be? How will this be? And the Lord said a little more. And what was her final response? May it be to me according to your word. 
Behold the handmaiden of the Lord. Basically, she just said, Lord, here I am. Please do what you just said. That's the way to receive the word. That's the way to receive ministry. Lord, I agree with what was spoken, but I cannot do it. But behold, the handmaiden of the Lord, may it be to me according to your word. Lord, please work out whatever you have just spoken. So as we go through these points, I hope no one would leave here today with a sense of, oh, I, okay, that's, that's for some other family. That's for the ideal family, or that's for that family. Yeah, they can do that, but I, 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 can't, I can't do that. Okay, just some principles. The first one, I'll, I'll, I'll jot them down here. The first one is the matter of atmosphere. What is the atmosphere that we build up in our home, our household? And with that, mainly, it should be an atmosphere of love. There should be an atmosphere in this home of love. And I, I believe uh, nearly every family, you start like this. It's a matter of nurture. <coughs> Maintaining, maintaining. Sometimes things distract us from nurturing the, the, the love. Brother Watchman Nee has a marvelous chapter. Um, we talked a little bit about this last time. I really recommend in the collected works of Watchman Nee, uh, in the volumes entitled uh, Messages for Building Up, New Believers, Messages for Building Up New Believers. There are three volumes, and I believe this is in volume two, in volume two. Actually, lots of practical points, like um, uh, I think he touches finances, managing our finances. He touches the matter of recreation. Very interesting. I read all, I read all these when I was in high school. It was very helpful. Recreation. Then he talks about uh, dating, which I, uh, I don't know the title, whether it's courtship there or, or what the exact title is, but it talks about courting. Um, then it's the chapter on marriage, and then there's a chapter on parenting. And in that chapter on parenting, this is one of the points. An atmosphere building up, an atmosphere of love. And he says that <clears throat> in some households, some households have the atmosphere of a law court. Yeah. And so when a child fails, when a child fails, and every child will fail, when a child fails, the feeling is, oh, I'm dreading going home to face especially my dad. Because going to dad is like going before the judge. And so he encourages that in the household, we should do our best to make friends with our children. You know, parent, 
child is not a chosen relationship. It's by birth. It's a natural relationship. You don't choose your parents. <clears throat> you know, some children, maybe they get upset. And they say, you're not my mommy anymore. <laughs> and you just chuckle. Ha, 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 yes, I am. <laughs> but friends, you choose your friends. Yeah. Would your children choose you? And at the beginning, the answer is yes. He said it should be that, that when something good happens to them, to, to the children, you're the first one they want to tell. And when something bad happens, the rea first reaction is you're the first one they want to tell. And you have that at the beginning. It, you'll always have that. As soon as something, mommy, mommy, mommy. And it's, I, at least from what I've seen, including my own children, it was rarely, daddy, daddy, daddy. It was mommy. Okay. When did that change? Those of us that have older children, it changed. When did that change? Was there a certain day? No, you can't pinpoint what day, what week. What's the date that instead of calling mommy, they call their friend. They're substituted that relationship. You, you can't tell. You can't tell. Now, again, again, I say please be careful not to allow the enemy to use my words. Oh, I would feel so badly that the enemy would twist my words to condemn anyone here. This is for our learning. This is for our learning. But the younger families, you still have a chance just to stay alert. Just stay alert. Just always, just always be interested. And I'm going to add two words here, two words here, that fosters this, that is communication, Communication and showing interest. Showing interest. You know, communication is difficult when you speak different languages. And so you have to take the step to learn each other's languages. <coughs> I once heard a, a brother give this kind of fellowship. I thought it's really true that that parents and children sometimes have different languages. And, and, and uh, brother, do you speak Spanish? You speak Chinese. You don't understand Spanish? No? Ven acá? Do you understand? Ponte de pies. No? Ven acá. Ahora. You don't understand? Okay. I said, could you stand up? Can you come here? Oh, look, he's so easy. <laughs> but, but before, I, I was saying the same thing. But you don't listen. You're getting me upset now. <laughs> because you don't understand my language. That's what happens at home. The parents are saying, te amo. Well, I need. 
But if I, I say, te amo, and I'm waiting for a response, and you don't say it back, te amo, te amo, but he doesn't say anything, he doesn't, say, he doesn't realize saying, I love you, so he doesn't say, I love you too. But this is children and parents. Parents are saying, I love you. But the children are, what? <laughs> Actually, the children thought you said, I don't like you. Because why? Because you made them eat their vegetable. <laughs> eat your vegetable. You don't love me. No, I, I love you, so you must eat your vegetables. <laughs> don't, 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 don't touch the outlet. He doesn't like me. No, mommy loves you. That's why I'm telling you, don't touch. It's different languages. So we have to learn each other's languages. But on whom is the onus to learn more? Surely it's on the parents. You can't expect the immaturity of the young to be able to. But you know what? I also heard this brother said this. Every, everyone who deals with young people, you should realize, firstly, uh, this, this was actually a brother in, in Christianity that I heard this from. He said, every youth worker, you should realize, you're actually a family worker. Family worker. And he said, he said, Every youth worker, or what we would call young people serving ones, you have the ministry of reconciliation. So you always have to reconcile the children with the parents and the parents with the children. Do not so easily take sides with the young people you're shepherding. You know, sometimes the young people, they come, they open, they say some things about their family. Oh, be careful, saints. You may develop a, an, a concept about this one's father because of what the young one said. You don't know the whole story. You don't know the whole story. You have to be very careful how you filter the information. And, and make sure it's never them and us. That is, the young people serving ones and the family, parents. <coughs> We're all on the same team. We're, we're all part of the same one piece. So we, we have to help young people understand their parents. That should be part of our service. But as parents, we have to learn how to communicate with our, with our children. Again, when they're little, you, you have this. Because, you know, they're, they're playing. You go into a room. Children are playing. Maybe it's a group meeting, and, 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 and there's some children there. And they're on the floor with a toy or a car or Legos. or what, what do you do? Don't you go there and say, what are you doing? Actually, you know what they're doing, right? But, but you say, what are you doing? Why did you do that? Just to open them. Yeah. Sometimes you would just sit with them and, and start to play the things. A few weeks ago, we had a uh, 
parents' conference in New York. And some of the older saints, they volunteered to take care of the children in one session, the grandmas and the grandpas. And I, got, I, I was sent a picture later in the day of a grandma at a table with a little boy. I don't know this little boy. He's from one of, he's a new, his new family in one of our new districts. But I was told that that boy, oh, he, he, he doesn't like to interact with people. He he's, has some, some challenges socially and, and um, always to himself. Doesn't make friends. Well, this grandma made her way to his, he was sitting at a table with some blocks or something. And she brought some blocks and saw what he was doing and she just did the same thing. And after a few minutes, there was this going on. They were playing together. Silence. She didn't say a word to him. And, and he didn't need to respond. But they were, it was enough for that first time. I thought, oh, what a beautiful picture. <laughs> By showing interest, Amen. you can open people's hearts. Amen. I remember this is a negative story. A sister told us when we, we had fellowship like this in some place. And she told us, um, she admitted this in the, in the sharing time. She came up to the microphone and shared something. She said, now she looks back and she realized she made a mistake. There was a time she was on the phone and her daughter, about 15 years old, runs into the house. Mommy, mommy. And she was so excited because she had just gone to a movie. And she wanted to tell mommy all about this movie. This was great. And, and the mother, the mother pulled the phone and said, Dear, you know I'm not interested in these kind of things. So the daughter shut up, turned around, went to her room, and then she kept fellowship. When she looked back, she realized it was during that time that she and her daughter, just the divide between them, just grew and grew. And she realized that she needs to somehow start to build that relationship again. Because if you let it go, it will go like this. That's the natural progression as children grow up. We as parents have to labor for this matter of bringing together. You know, the final two verses of the Old Testament, do you know what they are? <laughs> Malachi, chapter 4. Could someone find it for us? Malachi, chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. This is the last page of, of the Old Testament. Do you have it? Somebody have it? Can you have it? Let me see. I am about to send Elijah the prophet to you before the great and terrible days of Jehovah come. And he will turn the heart of the fathers to their children and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a curse. 
the end. That's the end of the Old Testament. He will, I will send Elijah before that great and terrible day. This is a prophecy about what's coming, about the, the, the last days, that Elijah's coming. And what will Elijah do? He will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. And the hearts of the children to the fathers. Isn't that interesting? That this is the fun. Why does Elijah have to come and do this? Of all the things that need to be done at the end time, this is what the, the Old Testament ends with. When he comes, he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. Amen. And then the New Testament repeats this on the first page. Did you know that? Luke 1. In Luke 1.17, now, of course, you know, Luke is the third book. I, under, I know that. <laughs> the New Testament, right? But Luke 1 is the beginning of the New Testament. You understand what I mean, right? Look, could you read Luke one seventeen if you have it there? Luke one seventeen. Go. And he said to his disciples, It is impossible for causes of stumbling not to come, but woe to him through whom they come. Nope, nope. One seventeen. Good verse though. Okay. Sorry about that. Yeah. Because we're talking about the causes of stumbling. That's sovereign. Amen. <laughs> okay, 117. And it is he who will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the prudence of the righteous to prepare for the Lord a people made ready. So that verse in Malachi will have its ultimate fulfillment when the Lord comes back. And that is, like we mentioned last night, we are the ones to whom the ends of the age, ages has come. So we're going to see this in our day. But it had a first fulfillment in John the Baptist. Amen. To do what? To turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. And then the second part is a little different. And the disobedient, that's the children, to the prudence of the righteous. Prudence. You know, prudence, you could say, is practical wisdom. Practical knowledge. Applied knowledge to the situation. But for what? To prepare for the Lord a people made ready. And saints, I do believe that at the end, as we're nearing the Lord's coming, there's a great need for Elijah. For the turning of the hearts of the fathers to the children. And the children to the fathers. I was reading this. I was thinking, isn't it backwards? Why do the hearts of the fathers have to be turned first? I thought the hearts of the fathers are already turned to the children. Like we're, oh, our children. And it's our children that need to turn back first. But that's not what the Bible says. 
why does the Bible say this way? Well, I can't say I could give you the full answer, but I have thought this, that sometimes the hearts of the parents are, t are more focused on the behavior of the children than on the hearts of the children. More focused on the progress of the children. More focused on the education of the children. More focused on the well-rounded you know, upbringing of the children. More focused on, you don't listen to me than on the hearts of the children. And when the father's hearts are turned really to the children, the hearts of the children will respond to the fathers. I think it may, this may be some of the meaning. And this is what is included in all this. We need this in our homes. And again, saints, you have this when your children are little. Just foster it. Just show interest. But just as we mentioned last night, we have to adapt. Because children grow up fast. And the way you show interest is just different. And just to say, just to say, you know, our school, oh, when they're, when they're you know, in kindergarten, Oh, well, mommy, this happened and that happened. Okay, when they're 13, you say, how was school? Yeah, all right. Anything happen? No. Grab the snack, go to the room, close the door. And you, you, you have to ask a different question. Actually, I, I, I just got this last week. Uh, well, this is Saturday, so earlier this week, uh, a sister sent me, uh, she, because she's involved with the public school system, the public school system in New York, trying to foster this point, sent a list of 20 questions that you can ask, how, how to ask your child, how was your day, without asking, how was your day? <laughs> I thought, that's pretty good. I, I, I haven't studied that. But, but I, I read through real quick just to see. I thought even secularly, yeah. parents are concerned. Shouldn't we? Mm -hmm. Shouldn't we? To be able to show just interest. So we have to find, find a way. And, and saints, I want to come back to re remind us. We're not just in a ministry focusing on the family. Our burden is deeper than this. We are concerned. Of course, we love all the children. We love all the families. We love all your families. But our burden is God's church, Amen. God's building. And so there is always something underlying all that we're talking about. And that's what I talked about last night, the private time with the Lord and the deep roots. The deep roots. I have three children, now four grandchildren. Their personalities are all different. And then you have, maybe you have four girls. They're all different. They're all different. You have four boys. 
Each one is different. What works with the first may not work with the second. But it might. But it might not. It probably will not work with the third. There's always one. Well, you check in your own family. As we're growing up, there was always one. So what that means is you cannot rely on a method. Even all that I'm telling you, even all that I'm telling you, you can't go take this as a way. All this must pass through Christ. Amen. Every point, Amen. pass it through Christ. Amen. Remember last, last night we read Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 through 8. And verse 8 says, Beware that no one carries you off as spoil through philosophy and empty deceit. According to the elements of the world, according to the tradition of men, and not according to Christ. Everything we're talking about should be according to Christ. Amen. So sometimes what we need is a kind of general preparation and a specific preparation. General and specific. What I mean is we desperately need the quiet times before the Lord. Not praying for our children or our families. Just enjoying the Lord. We need this. We, all, we, will, we will always need this. We will always need the roots to go deeper. Amen. Do you realize that, that that's good parenting? You want to be a good parent? The first step is deeper roots Amen. in Christ. You want to be a good wife, a good husband, a good son? Deeper roots in Christ. Because that Christ is the real God-man. And the elements of his humanity will, will be built up in us. But not focusing on, oh Lord, my children, my family, and so on. Just focusing on the Lord. We need those times. We need to learn when, when the enemy is, is coming, as we're having the time with the Lord, and then the thought about, oh, my work. You know, does that not happen? You're, you're oh, Lord, thank you. Oh, rooted in Christ. Oh, thank you, I'm rooted. Oh, no, this, this thing is due today. And you start thinking, wow, man, I better, I better, I got to work through lunch. I probably have to work longer today. And you spend three minutes. Spend three minutes. You only spent, have 15 minutes with the Lord. Three minutes are already gone. And then you come back. And then you come back. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord, forgive me. Actually, you shouldn't say forgive me. Because that was not your thought. That was the enemy's thought that got injected into you. Don't, don't repent for him. You just say, Lord, Lord, I'm back. I'm back. You should return, but don't need to repent at that moment. Because the enemy, that was the enemy's dart. You don't have to repent for the enemy's dart. It says in 2 Corinthians 2.11 that, that we may not be taken advantage of by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his schemes. I think the King James Version says devices. We're not ignorant of his schemes, of his stratagems. And the root of that word, scheme, stratagem, devices, 
is actually, the root of that word is the same as thought or mind. We are not ignorant of his mind. We're not ignorant. You could translate it. We are not ignorant of his thoughts. Those are his thoughts. So, so you, you just, oh, Lord, I'm back. Where were we? And just keep going. But it could be that you're only back for 30 seconds. And then, and then you remember, you remember, oh, I'm traveling tomorrow. I'm going to Southern California. I'm going to see my grandkids. And then you start like, oh. I don't know if that ever happens to anybody else. But I'm like, oh, Lord Jesus. Uh. And, mm, I love them. They're just, I just love them. But two minutes. Oh. oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Do you know even at that moment, those four adorable little darlings are Satan's thought. So I, sometimes that's out loud. I will say, stop it. Stop it. A little more experience now, I will, I will catch it sooner. And I'll say, ha, 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 not now. Not today. Not today. You got me with that last time. You're not getting me today. Oh, Lord Jesus. And you just keep going. And just enjoy and absorb and absorb, that's preparing you for facing whatever you're going to face. Okay, that's general. That's just to focus on the Lord, enjoy the Lord. Then we also need some specific time to consider and pray for each of our children, each relationship. Lord, am I missing something? Is there something that I can do? Lord, what's, give me the key to my child's heart. You know, Paul says in Thessalonians, you know what manner of entrance we had toward you. You know. The apostles, they had an entrance into the hearts of these Thessalonian people. When they opened their heart to Paul and the brothers, they opened their heart to the Lord. And the brothers the gospel. But they opened their heart first to the men. We need that. We need that with each of our children. We need that with the children in the church. We need that with the young people. Their hearts. We need an entrance. So, but, but we don't know. And, 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 and it's, it's, it's not a master key that opens all the hearts. Each, each one is different. Each one is different. And so you, you need the key to their heart. How about we pray, Lord, please, grant me the key to my child's heart. Amen. You know, in Proverbs, the king says, my son, give me your heart. But you don't go to your son and say, hey, son, give me your heart. He'll go, no. It's not that simple. So we do need times. Lord, what's the way? And if, and if I would share with you the way I found, 
in a sense, it may not mean anything to you because your children are different, the relationships. So it, it, it's somewhat risky sometimes, giving testimonies even. Because then you might think, oh, that's great, I'll try that. Well, sometimes you do hear things. But don't just take the thing. Do it according to Christ. Amen. Say, Lord, Lord, how about my son? How about my daughter? How about... And, and, and there may be a lot of anointing. Like, yeah, why not try? With my children, sports. You know, participate. They, they participated in varsity. They were on varsity this or that. And, and, and because of my schedule, when I was not traveling, I could be there to root them on, get to know them and their friends. And because those are their teammates, those are the people they spend the most time with outside of class, it's helpful to know our children's friends. You learn about your children from their friends. By the, by the kind of friends they choose, you learn. But that was just the way the Lord gave us. That may not be the way in, in your family. It all needs to be according to Christ. According to Christ. A few more points. Sanctification. I'll put three down together. Sanctification, priorities, and I'll explain this. Seeds. It's like sowing. What I mean here is not in the sense of yesterday, that the seed being descendants. This is sowing tiny seeds, sowing seeds. Sanctification. Well, maybe I should write down this with it. That is being a pattern. The Lord Jesus says in John 17, 19, for their sakes, I sanctify myself. That's for the sake of his disciples. He sanctified himself. <clears throat> you know, actually, there, there, there really would be no need for God to sanctify himself because God is holiness. And to be sanctified means to be holy, to be, to be different from everything that's different from God, which means just to be God. So he doesn't have to do anything he is the sanctified one. And he is sanctification. That's what it says. Christ, uh, is in Corinthians, right? He became wisdom. 130. 130. Wisdom to us from God, both righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. So he is sanctification. Why did he pray to the Father? Father, for their sakes, I sanctify myself. Because these were men in the flesh. Actually, not just men. These were young men. These were young men, some possibly still teenagers, or in their early 20s, following him for those years. And he knew they're watching all the time. 
So there were certain things that he did and there were certain things that he refrained from doing just for them. Just for them. And one example is in John 4 with the Samaritan woman. There's a verse, I think it's 28. Could somebody look it up? John 4, 4, 28 or 27. That's very interesting in this story. You You may not pay attention. But you know this story. He, he's tired, wearied from the journey, and the disciples go into town to get food, and he's left there at the well. And then she comes, and they have an interaction. And of course then, you, you know this, one of the most famous stories among us about you know, she, the, the spring of water welling up, and then... And, you know, go call your husband. Sir, what might I do? Drink the, oh, go call your husband. I have no husband and all this. And, 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 and then, you know, this is where we, we get this phrase. Oh, come see a man who told me all things. Well, when the disciples come back, it's 27. Could you read, read that verse for us? Verse 27. And, the, and at this point, his disciples came and they marveled that he was speaking with a woman. Yet no one said, what are you seeking, or why are you speaking with her? You notice it says, they marveled. Marvel. What's marvel? Obi, what's marvel? Give me a marvel look. What's a marvel? Marvel. He marveled that he was speaking with a woman. Did they always marvel when he was speaking with women? How many women did he speak to in the four Gospels? Doesn't he speak to a bunch of women? The woman that had the, the flow of blood touches, were they? <gasps> Mary, Martha. <gasps> no, but this one, they marveled. Why? Because he was alone. They, were, they all went to town. Now they're bringing the food, and they're looking. It's Jesus. Hey, John, is that, is that Jesus, right? I said, I know. Is that a woman? I said, I know. Like, what's going on? I don't know. And then they come, but nobody dared say anything. And then they got there, and they're all kind of looking at each other. Like, why? Because clearly, it was not Jesus' custom to speak with a person of the opposite sex privately. It was not his custom. And this caused them to marvel. But but this, we know it's at the well in broad daylight. This wasn't like in the chapter before where Nicodemus came at nighttime in the house. No room for any suspicion. Now, did he have to be so careful in himself? No. There's no lust. There's no, right? The nature of the sin is not there. He's the brass serpent. For their sakes, he sanctified himself. Dear moms and dads, for their sakes, we need to sanctify ourselves. There's things we do, and there's things we don't do. There There are things we don't say. There are things we don't discuss in front of them for their sake. Just to take care of them just to be a proper pattern. 
because all the time we're sowing tiny seeds, tiny seeds. Especially, I would say, two categories. Our words and the way we spend our money. That, that puts something into the children. The tones that we use, the things that we say, speaking so easily, maybe about saints, maybe. Oh dear, did you hear about this dude's family? Isn't that terrible? No, no, what happened, what happened? And the kids are there. So you sow the seed that, yes, in my family, we talk about other people. Behind their back. But when we see them, hello, sister. Hello, brother. That's how we, that's how, that's how we roll. Yeah, that's how our folks do it. That's how we do it. We, we put the seed in there. When I, when I was starting to surf, <clears throat> I still remember our, our uh, dear brother Benjamin Chen. Many of you know, remember brother Benjamin. <clears throat> he took me aside, sat me down, and he said to me this. He said, it does seem that you have the burden to serve with uh, young people. He said, I want you to learn something from the beginning. That people pay more attention to your actions than to your words. He said, you look across the hall there. Do you see that sister? He pointed at one sister. He said, her dressing undermines her service. Her, the way she dresses. Actually, it was a serving sister, very faithful. But her clothing, her attire, was a little too tight. And actually later, I, we, we shepherded her daughters. And there was always problems in that area, that same area. And the problems that they would get into, and we have to come into, like a fireman to put fires out and rescue people. And I look back, oh, I remember just that little word. And then he, he told me this. He says, even when you choose to go on vacation and where, don't think people are not looking. He said that to me. So, so if there's a, a, a week off from school, Oh, that's a very good time for the family to go away. But what if the church has a conference that weekend? It doesn't matter how you justify it. Mm, you're sowing some seeds. What are the priorities? What are the priorities? That word has kind of governed me for all these years.
oneness in our homes, there must be the oneness. Oneness means everything. We have to preserve the oneness. As much as we preserve the love, we have to preserve the oneness. Actually, if you keep the oneness, the love is somewhat preserved already. You know, it's interesting. To me, we've, we've heard this. <clears throat> we've preached this. That uh, I, I still remember the first time I heard this message. It was actually Brother James Barber in New York, and I was in high school. He came to give us a conference, and he gave this message of Genesis 1 and 2 reflected in Revelation 21 and 22. I didn't hear that directly from Brother Lee. I heard it from Brother James when I was in high school. I mean, the lights just went. I mean, I was just a kid. I was just a kid. I was like 15 years old. But the, the light that that brought, just that statement, Genesis 1 and 2, Revelation 21 and 2. God, God. Man, man. The tree of life, tree of life. The river, the river. The stones, the building. I mean, it was just like, oh, amazing. And we, so we've heard from, from that that the Bible starts with a wedding and consummates with a wedding. And so the Bible is a romance. Have you heard this message? I think we've all heard this message. But do you realize in Genesis 1 and 2, Revelation 21 and 22, never once does it mention love. The emphasis is oneness. Now, in between, yes, love. And you have Isaiah and Jeremiah and Hosea, and the Lord talks about wooing, and I loved you with an eternal love, and Ephesians 5, husbands love your wives. Yes, yes, it has to be a matter of love. But I, but I would say the Bible emphasizes more foundational oneness between mom and dad. Always preserve the oneness. Love is the building. Oneness is the foundation. If you have love without oneness, you could have problems. That's why sometimes some of our young people fall in love with unbelievers. Mm, do you have love, but the foundation's maybe not so strong? Yes, certainly, we have some exceptions. Even some of our leading brothers, they came into the church life through, through the one they fell in love with. Yeah, there are exceptions, but those are exceptions. Oneness. And we need to preserve the oneness in our home and not allow the enemy to put wedges. You know, children can sense when there's a wedge. And they will play one against the other. They know who's softer. They know who to ask what. You know, it says in Matthew 12, a house divided cannot stand. And for oneness, you must experience the cross. Actually, for all of this, you have to experience the cross. Oh, the cross, 
will preserve marriages. It's when, it's when the brother or the sister avoid the cross that problems come in the marriage. But saints, the cross is not, does not mean suffering. You've heard this message. You've heard this before. The cross means death. And, and do you know how you can enjoy the cross? Yeah, I said enjoy. You know how you can enjoy the cross? By being rooted deeper and deeper in Christ. Because that Christ is the crucified Christ. Actually, at Thanksgiving time, we shared this, that in Colossians chapter 2, when, when Paul talks about being rooted in Christ in verses 6 and 7, we have the, the picture is there. And he talks about being rooted. But the nutrients of the soil are found in verses 9 through 15. So if you keep reading in Colossians, you'll find all, what's in the soil. And one of the points in the soil is crucifixion. <laughs> and right there alongside is resurrection Amen. and enlivening. Right. Even ascension. Everything is in the soil. The victory, the victory in Christ Amen. over all the rulers and the authorities is in the soil. If every day we would be able to absorb, to absorb, then the cross will be operating in us. And then at the moment, at the moment, when you're driving home after the meeting and, and your spouse asks, how was the meeting? And you're tempted to say, well, Brother Bill shared again. And you know, you know when he shares. And she'll say, oh, I know. <laughs> when you're tempted to say that, the cross will say, will work in saying, no, the kids are here. Don't say it. Don't say it. They'll be the... Good meeting, dear. Good meeting. It was a real good meeting. The cross will operate. The cross will operate. But if we're not absorbing Christ, there's, little, there's less chance that we'll be open to, to that. Okay. Uh, two more words. Two more words. Three more words. Yeah, three. I'll put them over here. Infuse. Identity. And community. Our children, well, let me, let me start over. Everyone needs a sense of identity. I mean, I know who I am. 
And I know what I stand for. And everyone needs community. Connection. We hope that our children, their identity would be, I'm for God. I'm a Christian. Before, I'm an athlete. Or, I'm a Hispanic. You know, some people, their identity is first, Hispanic. And that's your identity. That's, that's what you project. Soy de Puerto Rico. No soy de México. Soy de Puerto Rico. And then the other says, yo soy de México. No de Puerto Rico. Don't mix us up. But people have a lot of different identities. What's, what's our identity? The first one. The prominent one. We hope that sooner or later our children is, we're just for God and my family. We're for, we're for God. That's our identity. And the community? Yeah, this is our community. This is our family. So, so you're secure. You're secure. And even if sometimes you're in situations that you don't fit, that's okay. I got my people. I don't fit here, but I know where I fit. Because if you don't have that, there's a pressure to fit in. But if you don't, and if you don't know who you are, then you're looking for an identity. You just, and it's not always harmful. It's not always harmful, but sometimes it is harmful. What's your, with whom you identify? And what is your community. You know, one example of this is uh, Daniel in the Old Testament. You know, Daniel, when the story begins in Daniel, the children uh, of Israel are under attack, <clears throat> under siege from Babylon. And they're being taken away. And it says specifically <clears throat> that they go into the temple and they take the gold and silver vessels. And then right after that, it says, they choose the children. The children of the royal seed. See, it's a battle, not just of the land. It's a battle over the seed. The best, the best of the children. They're the real gold and silver vessels. So they go there, and they take the top ones, and then they tempt them with the kin's provision. But Daniel purposed in his heart not to be defiled. Even if there's a hint that some of this food is being offered to idols, I don't touch it. At the risk of his life. What motivated him to do that? Mom and dad are not there. It doesn't say anything about older siblings. The serving ones were not there. There was no such thing. 
Why did he have the power to do that? I think it's here. Deuteronomy 6. That when he was at home, his parents practiced what's here. What does it say there? Do you remember? You work. You, 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 you speak the law when you're on the way. When you're lying down to the children. You speak it to the children when they're lying down, when they're waking up. You speak around the table the word of God. You speak when you're traveling. You speak when you're at home. You have, you have the law even on your hands. You have it, and there's a particular, uh, I, I want to, uh, actually, just as you were reading this morning, something came to light uh, in, this, in this portion. It says, you shall bind them on your hand as a sign, verse 8, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. That's your doing and your vision are affected. The way you run your household is affected by the word. And you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. I never paid attention to this before. On the doorposts. Not on the door. I thought it was on the door. But it's on the doorpost. You know, the doorpost is the frame that holds up the door. The frame that holds up the house. And the gates. So what upholds and then the opening. What is allowed in and, and, not, and not in is affected by the word. The word should have that kind of infiltration into our family life, that it governs what we allow in or not. Even on even on the television. What, what is allowed in and out? Is the word involved there? Or it's just kind of free open? No gate. Maybe there's no gate. There needs to be a gate, and there needs to be a gate with the word on it. Then, then the doorposts, the frame, the structure can remain. But saints, that's not by teaching. It's by infusing. Infusing. We don't have enough time. We'll continue tonight in this point. We have to care to avoid premature knowledge. But that does not mean speak the word of God. So there, there's a difference. Well, maybe we'll start there tonight because we're out of time. It's by infusing. And we infuse not only with our words, we also infuse with our pattern. Just our being infuses people. So we need to infuse our children with the sense of identity and the sense of community. If we can't do this by the time they're 17, then forget that. Forget that pipeline. 
that one piece. Amen. How about we close? We don't have time for your sharing uh, in this session, but there'll be time tonight. No, actually not tonight. There'll be time tomorrow. Yeah. But let's have some prayer, yeah? Two by two, three by three. Thank you.